Good morning. Good to see you today. Randy, would you hang on to this for a minute? You may need to run around a little bit. Uh, first of all, I want to thank Tim and Jeremy and Randy for stepping in today. We lost most of our worship team that normally is here. These guys did a great job. Thank you guys for doing that. Uh, I want to go back this morning to John chapter 17 just for a couple of minutes. And then I want you to respond to something. Uh, Last week we read out of John chapter 17. And we were in verse 13. I'm going to read it again and then comment on it just a little bit. It says, but now I come to you. And this is the Lord's prayer. We talked about that, that this is Jesus praying to the Father. And apparently the disciples there heard what he was praying. In verse 13, he says, But now I come to you, Father, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may sanctify it in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, these that are physically standing here with me, these that are physically in in my presence. I don't ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who believe in me through their word, that be us. Okay? So he's not only praying for them, he's praying these things for us. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who believe in me through their word that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. And we reference the fact that it's, it's important to understand what took place before this, that Jesus revealed some things to the disciples. He told them some things that were taking place. And we went back in John 14, 15, 16 and looked at those things you know and I think about that uh, I mean these guys most of them gave up everything to follow Jesus and I can't help but believe I know most of us would think this is a permanent deal I mean wherever Jesus goes we're going he went to Galilee he went to Jerusalem he went to all these different places we went and so this is just going to be a forever thing. Wherever he goes, I'm going. And then right in the middle of all that, says he says, I'm leaving, and you can't come. And there must have been some shock to their system to think, well, wait a minute, man. I, I've walked away from all my fishing boats. I've left all my nets at the shore, and, I, and I've, I, I've forsaken everything to follow you. And now you tell me you're going to leave? And, and you're going to leave me here? And, and he even went so far in chapter 15 to say, uh, chapter 14, it's to your advantage that I go away. It's better for you 
that I go away. What we've had has been good, but what you're about to have is going to be better than what we've had. And then in chapter 17, we find the reason that he says, I'm leaving you here. I'm leaving you here so that what's said and expressed through you may influence the world and it will come to believe in me. I'm not leaving you here to hide out. I'm not leaving you here to escape. I'm not leaving you here to build a monastery and hide out in it. I'm not leaving you here but for that purpose, that you might all these things that I've said to you, all these things that I have revealed to you, I have done them in preparation for leaving you here so that you might have an influence in the world while I leave. I'll be, there will be a comforter here. He'll be living in you. and He'll reveal to you everything that I've said. But all these things that I've said to you, I have said them for the purpose that you might be an expression of me to the world, that the world who now doesn't believe may come to believe. Now, we talked about the relevance of that. We've talked about the things that God has done, that 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 same purpose applies for us. All I was thinking this week, all the things that God's done in me in the last couple of years, all the things that he's revealed to me, all the things that he's encouraged me, all the things he's changed in me has been for the purpose that I might be an expression of his glory to the world that they might come to believe. And I wondered and would like to hear from you, what has God done in your heart? What has he revealed to you? What has he shown you? What has he said to you? What has he changed in you? What has he done in you in the last few whatever that could be influential in expressing his glory to the world? We saw an awesome example this morning with Anna. Now, here's why this is important. In Romans chapter 14... Verse 18, Paul says, For I refuse, for I will not presume. I was going to say, I will not presume, Paul says. I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. That's a powerful statement. I'm not going to just give you information. I'm not here to just give you facts. And I have to tell you, that verse resonates in my heart and has resonated in it for years. I can't get up here and say things to you that God hasn't worked in me. Now, he may not be through working with it, obviously not. But he says, I refuse to speak of anything except that which God has accomplished in me, resulting in, what's the result, he says, 
What is the result in these believers in Rome? What is the result of him declaring to them the things that God has accomplished in them? He says, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed. It has influence. It carries power with it. How many, and I, and I want to be sure and touch base with Anna, Anna before we leave to let her know and encourage her, how many young women are out there right now feeling that shame, feeling that pain, feeling that guilt, feeling that worthlessness? And what a word she can bring to when the Lord quickens it and, and opens the door. What that word can encourage people to say, well, if he can do it in her, there's hope for me. There's hope that he can cleanse me from all the guilt and all the condemnation and all the sense of inferiority that most young teenagers bear and they never get over when we're old. What an influence that could have. That's not just something that's been memorized and regurgitated and and, and verbalized. That's something that comes from the inside. That's something that comes from the life that God has imparted in her that now she can impart that to others. Now, let me ask you this. What's God done in you? What's God done in you? What's he revealed to you in the last so ever how often? Because we have this tendency to think, I got nothing. I want to tell you something. If you've allowed God to work in your life, you got something. If you're just looking for facts and information, you got nothing. But if you're looking for what God has done in your heart, that's what you have to share. That's what you have to verbalize. That's what you have to impart life as the Lord leads, as the Spirit leads, as the opportunities lead. I'm not talking about beating anybody up with it. I'm talking about being sensitive to the doors God opens and the divine appointments that God presents in our life for us to share what God has done in our heart and what he's doing in us now. So my question, it's not a, it's not a, uh, what's that question? Rhetorical question. I was going to say redundant question, but it's not a rhetorical question. It's a question that begs an answer. All right? Many of us have questioned, what have I got to share? This would be a good time for you to verbalize what you have to share. You have to share what God has accomplished and is accomplishing in you. That time that the lights came on, that you went, oh, God, I didn't see that till now. That, that awareness of what he has done for you and done in you. All of those things God has done in us for the purpose that we might bear his glory and be an influence into the world. So we're going to take a couple of minutes. What has God done in you that has the potential to influence the world around you when God sets up that appointment? Who wants to be first? Not everybody at once, but who wants to be first? There's PJ back there. Um, Something I see is watching my nephew and my son get married and how quickly life is changing and how um, I have to change with it. 
and uh, cooperating with the outside. But the cold, hard truth is I have to uh, let God change me and not be stuck. That's good. Because we all can say, oh, it's my personality, it's who I am, and, um, you know, whatever that false belief is. That's good. Um, And when I'm alone with the Lord, he shows me, and it can be very difficult to hear, and most of the time I just cry about it, and, (laughs) and then... Get over it <laughs> that's right. and move with him if I want to cooperate with him. And that's, that's right. what I want. That's good. See, we, we think nothing's ever going to change. And yet everything changes and we don't want to change. And, and I want to say if there was ever a woman that had something to declare of the goodness of God, PJ's one of them. God has done an awesome work. If you've been here very long, uh, if you've been here a long time, you know a lot of the story. But God has done some awesome things in her. That's that's what she has to give. Who else? What's God done in your heart? What's he revealed to you? What's he shown to you? All right. In my flesh, it's the most wonderful time of the year. I love it. Uh, In my spirit, um, it's usually the hardest time of the year with the holidays coming up. Um, Past things come up. There's always family tension that rises to the surface for the first time or again. Um... So wouldn't it be during this time that the Lord has kind of shifted my focus um, back towards him in a, in a different way? And he did that through showing me, showing me others that need to see Christ in me, some at work, some out there in the world, some in my extended family. And he, he revealed their needs to me and some ways that I can be Christ to them. Then I felt like he just kind of pointed me back to my family and said, how are you doing over here? And um, just has, has renewed a sense of um, importance and gravity and urgency in how I love my family mm-hmm. that I live with and that I do see every day and that that has to be first. Um, and has just revealed to me that I can't do even that. You know, sometimes I think, oh, I have something to bring out to these people over here. Um, What he revealed to me is I don't even have anything to give the people that are closest to me unless I'm daily dependent on him. And so he's just revealed a new sense of dependence on him in order to um, love and serve my family, uh, my kids, who won't stop growing up. That's good. Um, they just won't. And, and they're still young, I, I know, but, but I see it 
progressing really fast, and there's just some things that the Lord wants to do through me in their lives. Um, and so he's, he's just kind of, I guess, distilling it back down to the basics of um, they are my first priority on, on, on this world spiritually. Um, but even that, I have absolutely nothing good to give them unless, I am, unless I'm daily drinking from his well. That's good. And what's, what's the most depressing time of the year typically? Holidays. Holidays. How many people commit suicide? Marriages are destroyed during the holidays because of all of the tension. And God says, you don't have to find your joy there. You can find it in me. Um, so for the last nine weeks, I've been raising these puppies. We breed um, designer dogs and sell them for lots of money. They're worth um, thousands. And so I've got, you know, I'm in this community of breeders who are doing what I'm doing, and um, we're all supporting each other and encouraging each other and the whole process of training our puppies and um, finding homes and placements for them based on their personalities and temperaments. And so I'm, I'm hearing one thing from this group of people even though I'm struggling to sell my dogs now because of the market that's just oversaturated. There's so many dogs out there, and then it's also the economy. People don't have what they used to have to spend on dogs. Mm -hmm. And so I'm left with um, six of the ten, and I'm hearing from the world, don't lower your prices, don't, you know, this or this, like, stick to... Stick to this dollar amount, this, you know, your, your value is this number. Um, and then I'm hearing from the Lord, your worth is not in these dogs. Your worth is not mm-hmm. measured by your success in selling this product, these dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's reminding me over and over again that the reason I'm doing this is for the relationships that these dogs will have with their families and owners and the healing power that I know that I've invested in them, which will in turn help these families. And so I'm praying for each family that's going to get these dogs. And I, the Lord is telling me like, okay, I want you to give some of them away. (laughs) I'm just like, wait, what? (laughs) Um, And so... Yeah, the Lord is, I know he's using me in, in amazing ways and just being, listening to him and being open to what he has and not what the world is telling me, not what my mentors are telling me to do, but listening to him first. That's good. What a picture to say to someone, even though it doesn't work out like you think it's going to work out, and it never does. God's still faithful in the middle of it to do something. That's great. Hi. Hi. (laughs) So I'm a visitor here today. Um, I know some of you because I've been in the Rosier family for a long time. Um, When we were praying over Anna, I just kept hearing um, ours ours is a God of restoration. Mm. And that kept just repeating in my head over and over. And I was sitting here, and then when you said, share your story. Um, so the last year I lost everything. I lost my marriage, my job, 
um, everything that I thought I'd ever wanted, needed, but it wasn't um, given to me by God. It was a, it was a worldly mm. thing. Um, I came back to Jesus in October of last year, um, and I have given myself completely. I go to church. I spend time praying. And in this last year, um, my living situation, everything about my entire life has been divinely appointed, and I firmly believe that. I have a a perfect house. I live near family. Um, I'm in the the job that's perfect for me. And there was a point last year in September where I was sitting in, in a house that wasn't mine, in a bed that wasn't mine, and I just wanted it all to be over. But I hung on because I kept hearing something say, just hang on a little longer. And I hung on. And he provided. He restored me to what he wanted me to be. That's awesome. That is awesome. And we're so proud of her. What a story. Thank you, Father. Um, I think in me, the Lord's just shown me how to love better. Um, I want to tell a little story. If if you give in to people and you pour into people and you never see fruit of that, I just want to encourage you that you don't have to see the fruit of it. That's you do right. it as unto the Lord. Right. Um, we were at a wedding Thursday night. And, uh, you know, we were home group leaders 30 years ago when we were in our 30s. I don't even know how old we were. Um, but we didn't know what we were doing. And we had eight young couples in our home group. And... We just we were about ten years ahead of them, and we loved on them, and just had this great, great group. And Thursday night, the mama came up to Tom. Our son got married. Our middle son that was difficult came up to Tom and said, "I just want you to know, when we were in your home group. You told us, you told me that God picked me to be His mom, and He didn't pick anybody else." And that's, I've held on to that for 20-something years, and it's kept me going through my parenthood. And look at him now. He loves the Lord. He married a beautiful, Christian, godly woman. But we didn't know what we were doing. We just love the Lord and love people. And so I just encourage you. That was such an encouragement to us for her to remember that and say it to us. And we went up to Jonathan. It's Jonathan Eubank. Um, at the end, and he goes, yeah, my mom has told me so many stories about you guys um, over the years. And so just love people well, because God's loved you well. Mm-hmm. Just let that overflow, and that's all it requires, really, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, is just to love people and let your light shine, like Paul said this morning, just let it shine. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to come up with four spiritual laws or some kind of formula or some kind of scripture. That's not what it's really all about. It's That's really good. just loving people where they're at. So just, I encourage you, just keep doing that. That's it. That's life. That's it. You don't measure it. All right, one more. Anybody? All right, I'm going to give you homework. <laughs> all right, here's your homework. In this chapter in John 17, where we were at, we draw the phrase, uh, find that again, we draw the phrase, 
where he says, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, to keep them from the evil one, that they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. That's where we get the phrase, and for years we may have thought it was even a scripture, be in the world, but not of the world. Okay, That's what Jesus is saying. I'm not taking them out of the world. I want them to be in the world, but I don't want them to be of the world. Now, what does that look like? Here's your homework. I'd like for you to go to the Father this week, or next two weeks. Next week, we don't have a meeting. We have a lunch. Uh, go to the Father and say, what does it look like for me to be in the world, but not of the world? Personally, what does it look like for me in the arena that you've placed me in life? And the relationships you've placed me in, the influences you've placed me in, what would it look like for me to be in the world, to bear your glory, to reveal the things that you've shown me and done in me? What does it look like for me to be in the world, but not of the world? How do I make that distinction and just ask him to reveal that to you? Does that make sense? Okay, make it personal. Lord, what does it look like for me? to be in the world, because like Kara said last week, you're in the world, okay? You're in it. And as long as you're breathing, you're in it. And uh, you can't hide enough to be out of it. But he says, I want you to be in it. And I think he wants us to be right in the middle of it, bringing influence to bear on the culture and the world that he's placed us in. All right? That's your homework.